throughout the Bible and throughout history, God has called people, just like you and me, to lead. And most often that meant simply being who God created them to be, speaking the truth that God gave them to speak right where they were. So there's one way to understand leadership, that it's the combination of influence and proximity. You know, God also has a demonstrated history of calling unlikely people to lead in unlikely ways in the midst of unlikely circumstances. So it's usually not the people who say, I want to be a leader. Or who are striving to climb the ladder or aspiring to greatness. It's most often people who are willing to have a kingdom of God impact right in their corner of the world. You know, one of those unlikely people in the Old Testament is Moses. Last week, we learned an unlikely leadership lesson from Moses' experience at the burning bush, and that was dealing with doubt. When Moses expresses to God his doubts about himself as a leader, even doubts about God for calling Moses to be a leader, God's answer to Moses is, I am with you. And I am the I am, the God of generations, the one who's been with you through your misfortunes and your mistakes. And God said, I have heard the cries of the oppressed Israelite people, and I'm sending you to set them free. God said, I've heard their cries. One of the reasons that I'm excited about an event that's coming up here at this church in March, a, a global mission experience where our focus will be on unreached and unheard peoples and how God is calling us to be involved in their lives, sending us. And so one of the things we're doing leading up to that experience is each week, starting January 22nd, we'll be sending out a prayer text so that we can all be praying together in unison for unheard and unreached people in our community and in our world. And so you're invited to join in that text group. All you have to do is send the, the keyword injustice to the number 797979. I will not be offended if you want to do that right now. If you just want to get your phone out, look down, I, I, it's, it's a good reason. Just text the keyword injustice to 7979. Seven, nine, and join in this collaborative prayer effort here at Roswell leading up to our global mission experience. And you'll hear more about that from us in the weeks to come. But today we turn our attention to another unlikely leadership lesson that we learned from an unlikely leader, Moses. And it's a lesson we learned from him and his experience with the Exodus, with leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, and specifically when he goes to tell the Pharaoh, God has told me to tell you to let my people go. 
And this unlikely leadership lesson is about speaking truth to power. And it's easy to confuse leadership with power. We think that to be a leader means you have power. Or if you have power, then you're a leader. But that's so much not the case. Now granted, leadership and power are related, have something to do with each other, as Moses finds out. But Moses' experience, being called to be a leader, meant speaking out to the powers that ruled the place where he lived. Now, last week we read from um, Exodus chapter 3. This week, I'm jumping ahead to chapter 6. So if you're looking for something to read this week, you can read in between there, chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. What you'll find is a discussion between Moses and God. It's a heartfelt back and forth where Moses is explaining to God all the reasons that Moses should not be called to lead. And God is reassuring Moses, tells Moses, I will cause there to be signs and wonders that will be affirmation of what I'm doing here through you. He also told Moses, I won't send you alone. I get it. You're scared. This is a big task. You're not very confident in yourself. So take Aaron with you. And he also said, I'll send other people along with you, like Miriam and her, Caleb and Joshua. So you won't have to go this alone, which in and of itself is a good lesson in leadership. And so then... Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and they tell Pharaoh what God has told them to say. Let my people go. And initially it was just let them go out into the desert, into the wilderness for a few days. So that they can worship God out there, make their offering, their sacrifices, and then come back. And Pharaoh's response to them is, who is this God you speak of? Because for the Egyptians... And for Pharaoh, Pharaoh was God. Pharaoh was a human God. And so Pharaoh says, I don't know who this God is that you're talking about. But I tell you what I will do. I'll put your people right back to work. And this time I'm not going to give them any straw to make the bricks with. They've got to figure out a way to make these bricks out of mud by themselves. And if they can scrounge up any straw to help make them, then that's up to them. But I'm going to make it harder on them. At which point, the leaders of the Israelites go back to Moses and to Aaron and go, what have you done? Now you've made this harder on us. Now it's like the Pharaoh wants to kill us. So then Moses and Aaron go back to God and they go, what have you done? Now our people hate us, Pharaoh hates us. You know, this whole leading thing's not going the way that we thought it was going to (laughs) go. This speaking truth to power that sounded like such a great idea doesn't feel so great anymore. And it's at that point in the conversation, which is like the end of chapter 6 of Exodus, where we're going to pick up and I'm going to read for us this morning. And we're going to put it up on the screens. It's uh, Moses speaking with God. Exodus chapter 6, verse 28. I'm going to read through chapter 7, verse 7. And this is what it says. At the time the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt... The Lord said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, Egypt's king, everything that I've said to you. 
But Moses replied to the Lord, look, I'm not a very good speaker. How is Pharaoh even going to listen to me? The Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You will say everything that I commanded you and your brother Aaron will tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites out of his land. But I'll make Pharaoh stubborn and I'll perform many signs and amazing acts in the land of Egypt. And when Pharaoh refuses to listen to you, then I'll act against Egypt. And I'll bring my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt in military formation by momentous events of justice. The Egyptians will come to know that I am the Lord when I act against Egypt and bring the Israelites out from among them. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. And see, it was after this conversation with God that Moses and Aaron go back to Pharaoh to speak the truth that God had given them to speak. It's time to let my oppressed people go. Through Moses and Aaron, God liberates the people of Israel. Moses speaks truth to power. You are abusing and oppressing these children of God, and God has said, let them go. And immediately Moses finds out speaking truth to power is a difficult thing to do. But being a leader means that there'll be some difficult conversations to be had. A colleague and friend of mine, Olu Brown, who's pastored Impact Church, recently wrote a book called The Leadership Directions from Moses. And he said in that book, having difficult conversations is part of being a leader. Leaders who try to avoid or delegate difficult conversations will never reach their fullest potential. See, God's call to lead, to speak truth to power, will often mean calling attention to injustice, pointing out privilege, challenging the status quo. But see, people or systems who benefit from injustice, privilege, and the status quo are not apt to want any of that to change. Which is why when Moses and Aaron went to speak to the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh was having none of it. You've heard the saying before, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Which is precisely why speaking truth to power also requires persistence. So it's not like Moses said, okay, Pharaoh, here's the deal. And Pharaoh's like, okay, you guys take care, my bad. See you later. Actually, when you read it, Pharaoh's responses to Moses, every time Moses told him to let the Israelites go, Pharaoh's responses involved things like, no, this is their lot in life. Or, no, these are just inferior people, and this is where they belong. Or, you know what, they're just being lazy. And so this begins the back and forth between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh that includes the plagues that we've heard about. With the water turning to blood, with the frogs and the bugs, the death of livestock, the storms, the sickness, 
the sky going dark for three days and eventually the death of the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt, man or animal. Which is where we read that the Israelites, in order to prevent their own firstborn from being killed, took the blood of the sacrificial lamb and put it over the doorposts of their home so that the angel of death would pass over their home. Which is the event that is commemorated by Hebrew people even today in the Passover meal. Which is the meal that when Jesus celebrated it with his disciples the night before he was arrested and crucified became the example for us of the communion meal that we share today. And some of those signs that God did, we read that Pharaoh's own advisors were able to reproduce some of them. But we also read that none of them had any sway, any influence to change Pharaoh's mind or Pharaoh's heart about the fate of the Israelites. But Moses persisted, continued to go back to Pharaoh each time to say, let my people go. And I can't help but think about speaking truth to power, being persistent about it, and not think about the fact that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Because there's a man who was a leader and persisted in speaking truth to power. And God help us that tomorrow will be more than just a day off from work or an opportunity to go buy something on sale. But we would acknowledge and remember Martin Luther King Jr.'s leadership to speak truth about the evil of racism and segregation in the face of adversity and persecution and eventually even the taking of his life. Martin Luther King Jr. was like Moses in the fact that Moses was given people to work with like Aaron and Miriam. And Dr. King worked alongside so many others who were speaking truth to power together like Andrew Young, Medgar Evers. Claudette Colvin, Rosa Parks. They worked and organized and encouraged and advocated, preached and marched from Montgomery to Selma to Birmingham to Albany, even to Washington, D.C. And when it comes to speaking truth to power, this line from Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter in a Birmingham jail still speaks. He wrote, I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Who comes to mind for you today as someone who is speaking truth to power about abuse and oppression on behalf of the unheard voices of God's children? I think of Malala Yousazi, 
the young Pakistani woman who's traveling the globe, drawing attention to the plight of young Palestinian and Arabic women who aren't treated equally in their cultures. I think about right here at home, Barbara Duffy, who's the director of North Fulton Community Charities, who's taken on the monumental task of speaking truth to the power of our community about the need for a shelter, a place for people to go and spend the night when they have nowhere to lay their head. Did you know that we don't have a shelter for someone who's homeless here in Roswell, in North Fulton? I think about all the people who've been victims and survivors of harassment and have said enough is enough. It's time to speak up. What about us? Will we speak truth to power on behalf of those whose voices aren't being heard, the oppressed, the abused? In our world, in our nation, in our state, in our beloved Roswell, there are people who are persecuted marginalized and harassed. People are being trafficked and enslaved. People are subsisting without access to adequate housing or education or health care or water. Who will speak this truth in the state houses and capitol buildings, in the boardrooms and executive offices, in the pulpits and the city halls, that the abuse and oppression Harassment and neglect of any of God's children is not okay. And we speak this truth to power in big and small ways. Maybe ways that make national news and start a movement. Or maybe in ways that just mean taking a stand and setting an example right where you are. I'm excited that right here in this room, Chapel Roswell will be hosting the Roswell Roots Unity Concert on January 28th at 3 p.m. to celebrate the African-American cultural heritage of Roswell and to promote unity in this community. See, all of that is only possible to speak truth to power Because of the ultimate truth that was spoken against the worst of evil powers. And that ultimate truth is Jesus. In Jesus, we've been set free to live life the way God created us to live. Set free from the guilt and power of sin and death. Set free from the oppression of hatred and violence and even downright meanness. Set free from the tyranny of self and the preoccupation with self-satisfaction. It's exactly because of the liberation of all creation made possible by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and exemplified in the speaking of truth to power by people like Moses and Martin Luther King Jr. and Malala that you and I are called to participate in the liberation movement that continues today. May no truth go unspoken, no voice go unheard, no power go unchecked until all God's children everywhere 
are free in the name of Jesus. Because those whom Christ has set free are free indeed. And as we come to this table this morning, this communion table, we're sharing in a liberation meal. The bread and the juice embody for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ who gave his very life so that we could live, so that we could be free. And not just you or me, but everyone, everywhere, all of creation. Jesus invites us to share in this meal, and as we do, to remember that we've been set free, liberated. In just a minute, you'll be invited to come and participate, to receive a piece of the bread that's broken off and handed to you, and and then dip it in the cup, and in that way, receive the bread and the juice, the body and blood of Christ for yourself. And as you do that, I invite you to do it knowing that Christ has set you free from whatever it is that binds you. And then to do it knowing not only has Christ set you free, but then Christ has set you free to be a part of the liberation of the world. So that all could be free. And so come with an open mind, an open heart, open eyes and ears to see where God is calling you. To speak truth to power. Maybe in some big way, maybe in some small way. And in that way, to participate in the kingdom of God. And so I want to ask all the folks who are going to assist in serving communion this morning, if they'll come up and join me here. And as they're coming, I'll just give a little bit of instruction for you about how we're going to share in this meal today. And the folks that are coming are going to bring the bread and the juice nearby to you. We'll have four stations on the floor here around the center. We'll also have a station in each of the balconies up here. Each station will have bread and juice. If you need or prefer gluten-free station, that station will be right back here behind me to my right at this pillar. And so as you come, the server will break off a piece of the bread and hand it to you, and then you can dip it in the cup and receive the body and blood of Christ for yourself. Just to make the traffic flow a little smoother than it has before, um, if you will come out to your left, just start in the front rows and you can work your way back, come out to your left, and come around, receive the bread and the juice, and then go back into your row, into your seat on the right-hand side. That should work except for the balconies, we know that, so we'll just we'll do our best and you know, be gracious and friendly, and we'll get to everybody. And you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to come and share in this meal. We just invite you to come looking for Jesus. We invite you to come looking 
for the power of his liberation for your life. And listening for his invitation for you to be a part of his liberating work in the world. So I want to ask you if we could, we'll pray a blessing over this meal of bread and juice. And then we'll serve the servers and they'll take their places and we'll invite you to come and share in the meal too. God, we are thankful for the example of Moses and so many others who followed after him, who heard your call to stand up and to speak up on behalf of your people. And we're thankful to hear your call for us today to lead right where we are and to be willing and ready to speak truth to power on behalf of the oppressed. And God, we're thankful for Jesus, whose very life, death, and resurrection are your liberation for us and for our world. We're thankful that we can receive your liberation as we share in this meal and that we can participate in it as we go out from here. God, thank you for this bread and juice. We ask you to make it be for us the body and blood of Christ so that as we receive it and are reminded that we are set free by it, that we can be the body of Christ for the world redeemed by his blood. And this is our prayer together today. In the name of Jesus, amen.